Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Life of David and Me. My name is Jonathan Chan. I'm so glad that you can join me today as we continue our journey to look at David's life and see what we can learn from him to apply to our lives. Before we begin, customarily we start off with a video clip. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the clip, and we'll be right back. Francois Clemens, hi, welcome. Thank you, how you doing? Fine, how are you today? Fine. My feet were tired, so I thought I'd just soak them for a while in this water. Does it make them feel better? It does. Would you like to try? Sure. On the show, he would say, I love you just the way you are. One day I said, Fred, were you talking to me? And he looked at me and he said, yes. I've been talking to you for two years, and you finally heard me today. And I just collapsed into his arms. I, was, I started crying. I, that's when I knew that I loved him. There are many ways to say I love you. There are many ways to say I care about you. No man had ever told me that he loved me like that. I needed to hear it all my life. My dad never told me. My stepfather never told me. So, from then on, he became my surrogate father. I'm so proud of you, Francois. Oh, thank you, Fred. Thank Can I help you, you here? Thank you. Kindness. What is kindness? When I look in the dictionary, uh, a few dictionaries, Kindness encompasses many words, and the most common words that I see are friendliness, generosity, and being considerate to others. When someone befriends me when no one else would, I would say that this person was kind to me. When someone lends a hand to me, I would say that that person was kind to me. When someone gives generously, whether to me or to a charity, I would say that this person was kind. When I'm given a moment to speak and have my opinions respected by others, I would say that those folks around me were kind to me. But what is Christian kindness? Is it different or is it more? Well, the Hebrew word for kindness is chesed, and hesed encompasses much more with regards to kindness. And hesed, apparently, is repeated three times in this chapter that we'll be exploring. And if you know, and if you're those keeners out there, this chapter only has 13 verses. So repeated three times? The author is telling us that we should focus on the word kindness. And I believe that the author, using this chapter, is teaching us what it means to have Christian kindness. And for David, we can see that he puts hesed into practice. Let's begin. Starting with verse 9. One day, David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am. Ziba replied. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Well, where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Machir, 
son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Machir's home. Before Ziba responds to David's question by saying that one of David's Jonathan's sons is alive and crippled, we already noticed that David already mentioned his intent of showing kindness for Jonathan's sake. Why would David say that? During David's fugitive years, when he was running away from Saul, David and Jonathan made a covenant, a promise to each other that they would take care of each other's families and descendants. They renewed their covenant twice when we were exploring 1 Samuel. And here is one of the passages as an example, found in chapter 20, verse 14. And may you treat me with the faithful love of the Lord as long as I live. This is Jonathan talking. But if I die, treat my family with this faithful love, even when the Lord destroys all your enemies from the face of the earth. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his vow of friendship again, for Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. So what can we learn about kindness in a Christian sense? First, it has a lot to do with faithfulness. But faithfulness to an nth degree. Here's what I mean. David showed kindness to Jonathan's descendants by remaining faithful to the covenant he made with Jonathan by extending the covenant to Jonathan's descendants even after Jonathan's death. Note what Jonathan said in the covenant when they, were, when they made that covenant together. Jonathan said, quote, treat me with the faithful love as long as I live, end quote. David showed kindness, not just to Jonathan, as long as Jonathan lived, but he extended and broadened the covenant even beyond Jonathan when Jonathan died. He extended the covenant to encompass not only Jonathan, but Jonathan's household and Jonathan's descendants. Very rarely an ancient king would do such a thing to someone who's associated with an enemy, especially to the enemy's family members. David had no obligation to show any kindness to Jonathan or any of Jonathan's family members. Why? It's because Jonathan and Jonathan's family members and descendants were all related to David's enemy. And who was that? Saul. See, a normal ancient king would have killed all of Jonathan's descendants because they were a threat to his throne. Yet David was a different king, a godly king, a God-fearing king. And he showed kindness to Jonathan by extending his faithfulness beyond. That's kindness. Not only being faithful to the promise that he made to Jonathan, but extending the promise to those who really don't deserve it and will probably not return the favor in the future. How about us? If kindness is to show faithfulness towards those who don't deserve it and those who deserve it, but also mainly towards those who don't deserve it, what does this mean for you and I? What does this mean with regards to relationships? If our coworkers, our neighbors, our in-laws, our spouses are unfaithful to us, would we remain faithful to them regardless of how faithful they are to us? Is it unconditional like David's? In other words, 
I will be faithful to you regardless if you're faithful to me or not. By the way, if you've journeyed with us this far since Genesis, you would probably know that God remains faithful to humanity with regards to his promise, whether humanity is faithful or not to him. So the question is, are we practicing Christian kindness by remaining faithful to others, regardless of whether they are faithful to us? Do we have unconditional faithfulness? Let's move on. In this passage also, Ziba mentioned that Jonathan's son was crippled. Let's revisit how Jonathan's son became crippled. It was mentioned in an odd place earlier in 2 Samuel, but here it is again to refresh our memories. It's found in verse 4. And interestingly enough, in the NLT, the New Living Translation, it was put in parentheses. Saul's jo son Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth, who I will now, going now moving forward, I will name him Mephi. Mephibosheth, let's just call him Mephi who was crippled as a child. He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But as she hurried away, she dropped him and he became crippled. So Mephi was dropped while they were on the run from the Philistines after Saul and Jonathan had been killed. That is the most natural thing to do. Not only did Mephi was the only survivor, but he was crippled and was going to live in hiding and fear. Not only from the Philistines, but like many tribes back then, Mephi also feared David, since David will probably see him as a threat to his throne, right? As mentioned earlier. So Mephi was living in fear, living in hiding, but to make matters worse, he was crippled. Now, being crippled was also a social curse not just a physical livelihood curse, it was a social curse. Societies back then viewed physical deformities as a correlation with the person's moral uprightness. And therefore, with regards to social status, Mephi was right at the bottom. Like Brad Pitt would say, you have the best, then the mediocre, and the crap. Well, Mephi is right below that. So for Mephi to be crippled in both legs and also descendant of Saul, who was defeated by the Philistines, think about how Mephi felt. Shame, for sure, because there was great shame in his, in his family line, for he has been defeated by the Philistines. And also fear, because, hey, there's the Philistines on one corner, but also David, who was, who's now king and he may see Mephi as a threat to his throne. So Mephi had to live with three things, fear, shame, and also defeat. Let's remember those things as we move on. Verse six in chapter nine of 2 Samuel. His name was Mephi. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mephi. Mephi replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephi bowed respectfully and exclaimed, 
Who is your servant that you should show such hesed, kindness to a dead dog like me? Let's work backwards. How do we know that Mephi has been living in fear, shame, and defeat? Look at how he described himself at the end of this passage. A dead dog. Dogs, as you know, as we've been journeying through Samuel, dogs were despised back then and were viewed as the most vile creatures equivalent to pigs. That's quite different now, right? We see dogs as these cute, lovable, cuddly best friends. But back then, the Israelites in the ancient Near East all viewed dogs as despised. Like they despised them. They were dirty, filthy, vile. Maybe because they slobber a lot. Who knows? It's safe to say that we were quite accurate on how Mephi saw himself and what he was going through in his life. Shame, defeat, and fear. So how did David show hesed, Christian kindness, towards Mephi? In other words, what's the second thing we learn about kindness in a Christian sense in addition to being faithful to those who don't deserve it? The second thing is protecting and or restoring someone's dignity. What's dignity? Well, by definition, a quick look in the dictionary, dignity is a quality of being worthy of honor and respect or a sense of pride in oneself and self-respect, end quote. <clears throat> but in a Christian sense, dignity is much more than that. Dignity is a sense of being loved as a God-created human being among fellow human beings. It's not so much about honor or pride. It's more about feeling loved as a God-created human being. To have people see you and I as God sees you and I, i.e. beloved. Recall Mephi's life. Throughout his life, he was living in fear, shame, and defeat. So much so, he saw himself as a worthless, dead dog. What did David do? How did David show and restore Mephi's dignity? First, David called Mephi by name. Not servant or son of Jonathan, but by name, Mephi. That's important because in that culture, saying a person's name means that whoever is saying it is giving the named person worth and value. It means that that person who is saying the name Mephi is telling the other person that I see you worth my respect. David is telling Mephi, you are worth my respect. Second, David tells Mephi, don't be afraid. Mephi has been living in constant fear that David and his army might kill him. But David tells Mephi otherwise. See, when the last time that David said, don't be afraid, he said it to a priest. Remember when Saul pretty much annihilated and on a genocidal rampage and just eliminated a whole tribe of priests. This one priest ran away and went to David and David told this priest, don't be afraid. Well, that whole intent when he said that was to protect that priest, right? Well, same goes with Mephi. David's intent for Mephi, Mephi is to protect Mephi and keep him safe. That Mephi will no longer be an outcast or an accident or something like a dead dog. Mephi, David says, you are valued and I will protect you and provide for you, i.e. I will love you. Lastly, the third thing that David showed Mephi 
in terms of kindness was community. What better way to restore or protect someone's dignity than to have them join at your dinner table and not send them over to another table like the kids' table? Okay, here's what I mean. When I, when I was a child, I think right up to, gosh, even till now, whenever we go for dinner, family dinners, big family dinners, there will be the children's table and then there will be the adults' table. The adults being my parents, my grandparents, etc., and my aunts and uncles. It's been, always been like that. It's like a tradition of ours. So our kids' table will be the kids' table and the parents' table will be the parents'. The kids will be eat kid stuff like deep fried things while the parents have this so-called healthy stuff. It's just boiled but, and tasteless, but it's healthy. So we are at the kids' table and the adults' table. Same goes sort of like uh, metaphorically, same just to describe Mephi as well. David saw Mephi as equals. And so David told Mephi, you will eat at my table, not at the servant's table, not at the kitty table. You are equal. Though David is still king, David saw Mephi as family. Mephi is now in a community without any discrimination, any judgment, or people looking at his crippled legs and go tisk tisk, right? He is now welcomed and loved in David's royal family. Part of God's people, right? That is who Mephi is now. Loved by God's people and loved by God. David showed kindness towards Mephi by restoring his dignity, by naming him, protecting him, and inviting him to the family as equals. Let's move on and conclude our journey today. Verse 9. Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephi, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Ziba replied, Yes, my lord, the king. I am your servant and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephi ate regularly at David's table, like one of the king's own sons. Mephi had a young son named Micah. From then on, all the neighbor members of Ziba's household were Mephi's servants. And Mephi, was, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. So let's conclude. Let's conclude and look at ourselves. Do we show kindness in a godly way? Do we remain faithful to those who may not deserve our faithfulness? You know what we call that in the Christian contents when people get what they do not deserve? That's right. It's called grace. Are we showing grace to others as God consistently shows grace to us every day? Second, are we concerned about other people's dignity? Do we show respect towards them? Or do we condescend them because of their intellect, social status, or personality? Do we shame them in front of people? Do we say you're stupid, or you don't know what you're talking about, or you're always wrong type of thing? Or you're a failure, or like in Cantonese would say, type of thing. Or do we love them the way God loves them and see them the way God sees them? Because godly kindness is not only friendliness and generosity. Godly Christian kindness is to show love towards every human being, including those who may not deserve it. 
godly kindness, Christian kindness to everyone because God calls everyone his beloved. Here, let me end off with one more video clip from Mr. Rogers because I respect the man and I've learned a lot about kindness from him. Coincidentally, if you did not know, Mr. Rogers was an ordained Presbyterian minister, so he was a pastor. Yet he didn't practice his pastoring at church. He did a lot of his practicing on TV. Though he was not overtly saying God or Jesus uh, on his shows, you could definitely see all the Christian values and the Christian kindness in practice in his shows and towards people, other people beyond his show, uh, outside of his show, in fact. Um, I re highly recommend Won't You Be My Neighbor, uh, the biography that was done recently on Mr. Rogers. Uh, a lot of testimonies, a lot of people who are not Christian uh, shared about how kind Mr. Rogers uh, was towards them. So I highly recommend it, but let's just go watch this last video clip and we'll be right back. A television program for children made its unauspicious debut on station WQED in Pittsburgh. Its host, Fred Rogers. Mr. Rogers? Yeah. I want to tell you something. What would you like to tell I like you. I like you, my dear. Thank you very much for telling me that. You take all of the elements that make good television and do the exact opposite. You have Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Low production values, simple set, unlikely star. Yet, it worked. Hello. I've always felt that I didn't need to put on a funny hat or jump through the hoop to have a relationship with a child. He was always trying to get a message across in every show. A week on death. What does assassination mean? A divorce. Some people get married, and after a while, they're so unhappy that they don't want to be married anymore. He was radical. I know everyone says that, but he was radical. They didn't want black people to come and swim in their swimming pools. My being on the program was a statement for Fred. A neighborhood was a place where, at times, that you felt worried, scared, unsafe, would take care of you. He had a singular vision of kindness and love. Love is at the root of everything. All learning, all relationships, love or the lack of it. Children have very deep feelings, just the way everybody does. There must be times when you do feel blue. I'm not feeling blue right now, though. Me neither. <laughs> Won't you be my neighbor? Well, I suppose it's an invitation. It's an invitation for somebody to be close to you. The greatest thing that we can do is to help somebody know that they're loved and capable of loving. Welcome back. I will quote end off with a quote from Mr. Rogers. The world needs a sense of worth, he says, and it will achieve it only by its people feeling they are worthwhile. God saw us worth dying for. That's something that we all have to remember. 
God saw us, you and I, and every single human being around us worth dying for. Do we at least see others worth our time, our effort, and our money, even though they don't deserve it? If we do, that's kindness. Amen.